Hello and welcome to episode four of Double Falsehood by William Shakespeare, presented by the Pendant Shakespeare. I am Jeff Robinson, co-director of this production, joined by my fellow co-director, Adam Blanford. Adam, good to have you. Good evening. And also welcome to Morgan Z. Soul, our dramaturge for Double Falsehood. Morgan, good to have you. Good to be here for all the Pendamaniacs. All right. Well. And this is uh, this was a particularly fun episode to uh, direct and, and probably my favorite of the series, um, to be honest. You know, the, the setting here with the different characters um, just sort of like randomly converging here in this field. Uh, that's Russell Gold you're hearing right now as the, the master of the flocks and kind of a hilarious sort of cameo appearance uh, disguising his voice there playing a super, super creepy uh, old man in this episode. Um, Morgan kind of set the scene for us. Like, like I was saying, just all these random characters sort of converging here. Like what's, what's going on? Uh, well, <clears throat> what's a little hard to convey in audio, but I think our actors really nailed it, is that uh, Violante uh, is in disguise. Um, she's pretending she's a boy, which I, I think Abigail Eliza gives us a very, you can recognize who she's supposed to be, but you can also see what she's doing, which is very important. Attentively, he stood and how he fixed his eyes. When your boys and Julio uh, is just drunk. Julio's wandering around dealing with his heartbreak. Uh, and Chase, Chase is very, very funny here. Yeah, Chase Greenley, yeah, crushes it as as Julio in this episode. I have to say, as uh, as uh, the the lovesick Julio sort of uh, wandering around, and uh, we'll get into the the even more fun action a little bit uh, a little bit later on when he and one he just, of the, uh, he just stumbles through the act. Yeah, exactly. He, he really does. <laughs> Yeah, in this episode, I found myself spending a lot of time kind of paying attention to the music, um, you know, because it wasn't terribly, you know, outside of a few sheep bleeding, um, you know, people walking through the grass, that kind of thing. It wasn't really a sound effects heavy episode. So I sort of felt, um, you know, setting the scene with music was the way to go. And here we've got this sort of like upbeat little comedic type of ditty kind of indicating that, you uh, yeah, Julio's not not really all there the right now. But the venomous word. Yeah, and uh, the thing I love about Chase's uh, performance is like he has this way of um, sort of like slipping into a Spanish accent, like sort of you know, sort of going from like American to uh, like sort of half Spanish and, and to this great like comedic effect, and and I just love. I just love how he how he did it, like how he sort of like just sort of turns up the Spanish, you know, for for very comedic effect from here and there. Have you ever seen? Which I think a lot of bilingual people do anyway when they're drunk. So, uh, oh, totally, totally. He has an element of truth. One hundred percent. And I have known her haunts. And well, we also think that our our accents get much better and we're much better looking when we've had a lot to drink. Very true. <laughs> yes. Very true. He's got some beer goggles going on. <laughs> exactly keep thy hearts oh yeah yeah he uh he totally understood this scene and it's really you know a moment of of levity in a play that often is uh you know quite depressing <laughs> yeah he finds lots of levels to go to different places taken it's almost a page-long monologue here Exactly. Br yep. Briefly interrupted, but he talks nonstop for a good chunk. Very true. There's uh, W. Keith Kim's, uh, W. Keith Tim's, excuse me, and, uh, and Kendra Murray as a uh, first shepherd of one and two who, um, you know, 
uh, oh, might seem like crazy. minor characters, but in this scene, they're not. They're they're very much, you know, um, part of the ongoing commentary about like, boy, this guy is drunk off his ass, and you know, basically uh, explaining the state that Julio is in here. Sit here, then. Come, shake not. And here is Julio interacting, uh, as Morgan said, with um, Violante, uh, disguised as a shepherd boy. Which will become a key plot point later on in the scene uh, when she encounters our super, super creepy master of the flocks. So creepy. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, man. Yeah, Russell Gold. Uh, many of you heard him as Pericles uh, in the lead role in our last uh, Penn and Shakespeare production. Definitely channeling a very, very different vibe for his character in this play. <laughs> Not a lot of stage time, uh, so he has to really dial the creep to the maximum to oh, yes. to get us when he can. Oh yes, and he very much stage does. time, ear time, <laughs> right? Exactly, air time, I suppose. Bandwidth, <laughs> exposure. And of course, you gotta love how uh, they think. Julio has lost his mind because he thinks that uh, Violante is a woman, but he's, he's the only one who actually recognizes that she's a woman. In vino veritas, in wine there is truth. <laughs> Very much so. This world is full of Gosners. Very full. And yeah, the scene just bounces back and forth. You know, we had a, my happy little comedic upbeat tune uh, just a few minutes ago, and now we're into like the melancholy, like longing music here. He'll be a terror to the villain's conscience to the longest day he lives. Yeah, it's funny how music can really, you know, you can take comedic music and overlay it over the most depressing dialogue, and all of a sudden the entire scene feels like comedy. <laughs> Especially a scene like this where the comedy is coming from such track. Here he is. Hey, I'm telling you to kill yourself, and you're in disguise as a, as a boy, and I'm drunk, and these are some very silly shepherds, and it's... Uh, you're conducting it with your with your background music. You're giving us uh, giving us the lens to watch it. Yeah, yeah it's balancing out the scene. Have I caught thee? Oh, I love editing this part right here. He will kill me else. Here thou shalt pay thy heart blood for the wrongs thou cheaped upon this head. Yeah, getting the timing of those slaps and uh, Kendra's reactions as the shepherd as she's. Uh, as Julio's slapping the crap out of her <laughs> was a was a challenge to work through, but a fun one. Not all his father's guards shall shield him there, or if he prove too strong for mortal arm, I shall solicit every saint in heaven to lend me vengeance. And the classic shing noise as he draws his sword. All about it, straight. The wrathful elements shall wage this war. Fury shall haunt him. Vultures gnaw on his heart. And nature pour forth all her storms of plagues to join. <laughs> I love how he walks away there. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I enjoy from an editing perspective, like that whole, uh, you know, panning off to the left or right and getting them gradually quieter as they sort of skulk away. <laughs> Lots of that going on in this scene. He pulled at it as he would have dragged a bullock backward by the tail. We should note for all the listeners at home that you did the heavy lifting on this episode. I, I'm really assistant director in name only here because, or co-director in name only, because you did the whole thing. Uh, it's a continuous scene, and we didn't want to mess up the rhythm. And I, I think I was, I was like seriously overbooked with some stuff. So you graciously took over the whole thing. So I want that known. 
Jeff did the whole thing. <laughs> well, you are you are kind, but uh, yeah, as you as you noted, um, you know when when one you know particular act of the play, like the bulk of it is one scene. It's kind of hard, you know. You want to yeah, you want to have that continuity as much as you can, um, even if that one scene turns out to be ridiculously long. <laughs> Uh, and here is Russell in fine form. Like, seriously, if you just envision, like, what is the creepiest old man you can, you can think of? Like, his voice just fits to a T. Don't take that you as just see him. You know, You know he's dirty. You know he's yeah. squinting at you. <laughs> he's surly. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've, I've heard Russell in so many productions over the years, like before I ever joined Pendant. And... Um, I think I recently somehow came across a, his headshot or something online and it just destroyed that whole like vision of how he looks in my head, you know. <laughs> never never look up your favorite voice actors and how they look in real life. It'll, it'll totally, totally kill the magic. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, but, uh, you know, you definitely, you know, I, most of these folks in our cast are, you know, unless they have their headshot on Twitter or something, I'm like, no, I, don't, I have no idea how you look so the version of you that exists in my head is the only version that does exist as far as i'm concerned <laughs> i hope that i'm taller in your conception of me <laughs> oh yeah yeah adam's a good six foot eight for sure <laughs> i look i look just like ben affleck there we go perfect yep. yes exactly oh here's where it gets really creepy and uncomfortable <laughs> Yes, like Master of the Flocks would not, uh, would definitely be the big, big bad today. Yeah. And Morgan, your helpful note in the script when the Master of the Flocks says, Are you so cunning? Parentheses, this is probably a rude pun. I would not have picked up on that. <laughs> I can't guarantee it's Shakespeare's intent, but it sure seems to me the choice of the word cunning there, uh, is loaded. <laughs> Although there's no definitive text of uh, what are what are what are the rude jokes in Shakespeare? Exactly. <laughs> someone should publish. Someone someone smarter than me should publish that. I know you are so honest and so good that though I wore disguises for some ends, you would not wrong me. Damn, you're made for love. There's nothing you can say. Can take my edge. Oh, that line is so creepy. It can take my edge off. Shivers. And now uh, Violante definitely switches back to uh, you know her natural voice again. Abigail Eliza, very you know great job in this scene. Um, not just nailing the intent of the lines, but switching so seamlessly back between uh, boy and. Their boy and girl voices. And here we have Adam. And uh, comes Roderick. Thank God. <laughs> he, he basically comes in as a, as a Monty Python. What's all this then? Exactly. I thank you, sir. I pray be covered. Is not so much what, sir. Was that thy boy ran crying? Yes. What then? Why dost thou beat him so? To make him grab. Every time I try to be a refined character, I always adopt this kind of affectation in my voice. It, like listening to myself talk <laughs> drives me nuts. No, no, I think you, I think you got it just right. Like he's a bit, 
Yeah, he's, he's a, a bit of a pop and Jay, but he'll he'll right. he'll get it done. You know, yeah. he'll get the job done. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, he seems a little self-righteous, like you know, sort of like I'm the only decent person around here, and my brother Enrique is a total you know creep. <laughs> Everybody but he's sucks from me. Wrong. No, he's not wrong at all. It must be here. Tis so. He comes. Now, brother. Good job with the shouting, by the way, Adam. That's a hard thing to do as a voice actor. My letter told you, sir. So do you have to go far away from the mic to shout? Yeah, I, I have a booth. It's basically a closet, so I can kind of step back and then I just kind of cut my hands over my mouth and, and shout. From a close life, I take it, is not mentioned. You're ever in these troubles. Noble brother, this might be a silly question, but I'm not. I'm not an actor. Uh, do you sit down when you do it? No, I, I. No, I have a standing booth now because uh, it gives you a little bit more physical power in your diaphragm, and uh, you can emote more. Yeah, it definitely helps for sure. Yeah, I I switch between the two, but uh, you know it uh, definitely lends an energy to your performance. I think it does. The means. And here it should be noted, you know, that Enrique is still talking about pursuing Leonora at this point, not Violante. Um, and, you know, he tries to sound uh, sincere in his in his uh, affections for her. But, uh, you know, the, the title Double Falsehood refers to, to him his deceit in pursuing Leonora and Violante at the same time, right, Morgan? If I remember correctly, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. That he is, he is the, he is the double falsehood of the title. Yeah. So here he's trying to, you know, he tries to sound like a redeemable character, but you know, nah, not really. No, he's not. Which is what makes him so awful up until his very last moments. Pretty much, yeah. Where you can kind of, you can kind of swallow him down at the end. This for a price will hire to put our scheme in act. Here you can hear me completely botch the pronunciation of, I say Gerald, when clearly it's supposed to be like Herald, my bad. I think Adam, uh, I think Adam gets it right and I fail miserably. Always read the pronunciation guide. Always read the pronunciation guide, which uh, is an epic. I just think of Gerald as Patsy from Money Python. I'm Patsy. But if his consent keep not pace with your purpose. Doubt it not. And now we trot off with our coconuts. Clack, 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 clack. Gerald's line there is actually one of the lines I had to add because in the uh, world of audio, talking to someone who's never been acknowledged to be in the scene can be very strange. So his little hello uh, that he makes there, uh, I had I had to drop that in. So I hope Shakespeare can forgive me. <laughs> Smart move. Good sir, compose yourself. Oh, Leonora. Now we have transitioned to the uh, second scene, the shorter scene of this uh, act. How happy I had been. He's calm again. I'll take this interval. Once again, we've got uh, nobles this time rather than shepherds kind of serving as the as the running commentary. <laughs> Pretty much every act of this play is some kind of uh, sort of like commentary in the background. And uh, yeah, Abigail doing a terrific job with this. Um, this uh, Spanish song, I believe. Um, Morgan, you just sort of like found this online, found the lyrics I, and a separate melody. Maybe? I just had to, I had to figure out what the song it could sing be. Uh, 
had to find something that's you know old enough that we don't have to worry about exactly. uh, legal, legally. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it says she sings something, and they never make a point of what it is. She just sings in the <laughs> distance. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, Tristezas is an old traditional song that means sadness. And heedfully hear a lost maid. Yeah, had the same issue for Pericles, as I recall. Shakespeare helpfully says something like, uh, she sings, and then that's all you've got to go. Yeah, you're like, what the hell is it? Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Real. Yeah, it can't be. I wanted it to be Wrecking Ball uh, by Miley Cyrus, but I was next on that one. Excellent sorrow. You never loved. No. She has a great salty. Voice. They didn't let me he do does. the credits in Spanish. Right. <laughs> and learn to yeah. Not even the last episode. I, I mean, no. Uh, I never heard the like, sir. I tell you. I mean, I have the audio somewhere. I am. <laughs> the director's cut will be coming later. <laughs> the and just before it fades away too much. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I just want to say one more time, Abigail nailed that song. She did a great yeah. job. She, she was did. amazing. She did, yeah. As a director, you know, as as editing this scene, the challenge was kind of figuring out, like, where do I fit in snippets of the song amongst the dialogue, you know, for maximum impact. And uh, I'm happy with how it turned out. But that was definitely a lot of uh, experimenting to do there. I mean, an audio a song is almost like a special effects scene. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All good people are falling asleep forever. None are left. Oh, this is a great track um, by by Josh Mullen here in in the background. Um, just you know, really, really melancholy. But and what heroes? Guys like uh, like Josh Mullen and um, oh, Incompetech guy. Uh, yes, Kevin McLeod. Uh, Kevin McLeod. Thank you very much. Yeah. What great what great gift they've given to the world. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, they they are a staple of of audio drama everywhere. <laughs> Amongst audio drama creators, they are they are gods. Whose best feed is coarse bread, whose beverage water should have so much brink blood. Shake all over me. Flesh to think what had become of me if that good man had not relieved me from him. And here's Julio whispering off to the side. I think I panned this to the left here to kind of make it clear that he's trying to, you know, not be overheard by Violante at this point. What wind blows every morning? I cannot get this false man's memory out of my mind. Yeah, there's truly no character that goes on more of a roller coaster in this play than, than Violante. Um, yeah, so many. So many emotions, so many soliloquies throughout the entire play. It's a great part, and she really nails it. Yeah. 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 Building up here to win. Uh, he realizes who she is coming up here. Spoiler alert. I could drop into a fountain for her. She weeps extremely. Let her weep. Tis well, her heart will break else. Great sorrows live in tears. No false Henrique. <laughs> and oh, thou fool forsaken Violante. Yeah, I really wanted to, uh, I think I, you know, faded the music out for this part so we really can focus on, focus on her, her dialogue here. And, 
what she's saying so impactful. A quiet phrase. Bear all the miseries I have long felt, and those to come shall sweetly sleep together. And again, this is a page after page of her basically by herself, and she finds these peaks and valleys and highs and lows and fast and slows to just keep it musically moving. Exactly. Exactly. My wandering spirit with those lost obsequies. Stay. Lady, stay. Can it be possible that you are Violante? Violante? lost name spoken by one that needs must know my fortunes has taken much fear from me who are you sir for sure i am that hopeless violante and i as far from any earthly comfort that i know yet yeah once again you know i think we've discussed this in past commentaries but uh you know remember that these are two actors who are recording their lines on their own time in their own space you know totally separate from each other um, so when you when you edit them together and it feels like they're in the same room with each other, that's uh, you know that's that's the magic of audio drama, and it uh, it's a great feeling. It's a challenge, but it's definitely wor a worthy one. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. If you have yeah. good material, then then it's really good to, to it, it really puts you into that world and really helps with uh, with getting out that emotion. Exactly, yeah. And when the actors are invested in in the text and truly invested in understanding what it is that they're saying, um, which you know we we had the great fortune of having for this production, um, I think that's what makes it feel like everybody's truly there on the stage together uh, more than anything else. You know, if you don't understand the text, then it's gonna it's gonna fall flat. But when you truly do um, understand the weight of each sentence, really, is it's when it's. Uh, it shines for sure. They're truly, truly in the moment, and they're in the same moment, well, even a thousand miles and days and days apart. Yep, exactly. Different times, different spaces, totally asynchronously. It's like magic. Talk you of comfort. Tis the food of fools, and we are none on but indulge despair. So, warm with grief. Steal to the cave of death, and in a sigh, give up our last breath. Ooh, uh, great closing there to that episode. That last line, the tis the food of fools, and we are not on it, but indulge despair, I think might be my favorite in the whole show. Featuring the voice talent, it's a good one. Russell Gold is the master of the flocks. W. Keith Timms and Kendra Murray is the shepherds. All right, that brings us to a close of episode four. Thank you for joining us uh, for the ride. Again, uh, Jeff Robinson joined by Adam Blanford and our dramaturge Morgan Z. Sowell. We will see you in another month for episode five, the final episode of uh, Double Falsehood. Very exciting to uh, bring this one to a close and appreciate everybody who's been uh, listening so far and uh, especially appreciate our, our wonderful cast that you you've heard in this episode and throughout uh, all the episodes so far. So we look forward to joining you for the final chapter very soon. Thank you. Bye.